Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Cheryl Spook's writing and rewriting history. First ever national title for Texas Tech. Welcome one, welcome all to the Tortillas and Takes podcast. You are on once again with your boy, Albie Shore, and welcome to the first rendition of Albie's Arena. Try it, Albie's Arena, where we are going to be talking men's basketball all winter season from now till March, hopefully till April. We'll see. Uh, and to join me in Albie's Albie's Arena, first rendition of Albie's Arena, I got who else? Who other than? The people's chant, Jeremy Gillen. What's up, Jeremy? You're you're the first one on in this little new segment we're doing here. I feel so. You know, let's say first, I I totally forgot that we settled on that you settled on Albie's Arena, and that was such a good landing spot for this. Um, truly honored to be here. I'm so glad you picked me. This is not a burden for me at all. No, I love this. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to talk Texas Tech <laughs> with you, Albert. This is a dream come As true. Everybody for me. listening is like, what the hell are y'all talking about? This is the same two people we always listen to every freaking time we turn this podcast on. Uh, but for those that, that don't know, so basically during the men's basketball t- time, we are going to be having new guests. And when I say we, I mostly mean me because Jeremy is abandoning me and he says he hates talking to me on podcasts. So uh, I am going to be doing the men's side. However, Jeremy and Kenzie, the two people that you do love, know and love, are going to be uh, talking Lady Raiders. So since they've both abandoned me, for that matter, uh, I will have new guests on here every week as we talk men's basketball, some maybe some football, maybe some football, get their perspectives on how the season has gone, stuff like that. So so every week will be a new guest talking men's basketball. But Jeremy is the first one. So talking men's basketball here, the Texas Tech Red Raiders did play Vanderbilt this past weekend. And... Went down to Fort Worth, went to Dickey's Arena, and put the just beat the brakes off of Andy. Like they had control mm. in this game from the onset. Never once, even actually, I don't. Yeah, Tech did not have. There was not one second in this game where Tech did not have the lead. Right from the very beginning of the game, uh, Tech completely dominated. Started the game off on a nine nothing run. Like like right from the get go, it was like, oh, it's going to be a long day for y'all. Man. And this is and Vandy in basketball. Now this is. So far, been a pretty bad year for the for the Commodores. But in basketball as a program, they're not as bad as you remember them being in football. So even as they've had a slow start to the season, when I say slow, I mean bad start to the season, still a pretty impressive win over another power conference opponent. Just an absolute th- – this game was really fun to watch because Vanderbilt's one of those teams that – I mean, they're not bad, but they're a team that you – if you – this this roster that – Coach McCaslin's put together, you look at this roster and you look at the way that he coaches, and you say, okay, you're built to beat a team like this. And six minutes to go in the first half, you're up 27, 13 or whatever. Felt really good. Uh, felt like the team that you wanted to be. Loved the way that, first of all, 
Pop Isaacs seeming to come out of his slump there. Uh, Curran Walton, we can talk about him a little bit later. Curran Walton becoming one of the most uh, prolific players on our team right now. Uh, out of the first however many games it was in his past, like, Five games, he's just shooting lights out. He's not turning the ball over at all. Um, he's been an absolute asset to this team. The guy that you wanted him to be when he came in from UNC. Um, but he's definitely settling in. So this this was a definite game of sharing the wealth, I think for sure. And most of that wealth going through um, Toussaint, which just felt really good because that's a kid. I mean, this is a game where he felt, you, you could tell that he was feeling himself because like, a lot of energy, a lot of creativity. Um, this was just a good game. This is one of those, and it came on the same night as Texas Tech had their bowl game, uh, and they overlapped. And this is one of those games where I was confident when I changed the channel that we would yeah. still be winning, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> we all going to talk about the bowl game in this. For those of y'all that tuned in and was like, what the F is this? I hope he's a real thing. I'm trying to listen to some foosball. We're going to talk about football in a little bit. We're all going to go in order of games as they occurred. So great, great mention as far as this, because I did the same. Well, I unfortunately ended up having to miss the football game because I did have a company party, but I watched the football game on replay, but I was able to watch this game at the very least. Um, and yeah, from the very beginning, Joe Toussaint, and, and, and you know, think good, great thing about college basketball is you really got to watch the game. Stats don't tell you the whole story, right? So, so Toussaint's stats, you're like, oh, well, he only shot the ball five times. Like he must've not really done much, but he really can, like you said, control the game from onset. Right, 12 points, five, had seven rebounds as the smallest guy on the court. Uh, but that just kind of shows you how just how much he was getting after it in this game. And, you know, Joe Tucson and the combination of Tucson and Pop Isaacs. Like, Pop Isaacs had a great game, even though it wasn't his best shooting night. Still a great game as well, controlling the game, the, 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 controlling the matchups there and controlling the game there. I mean, those two are our two best players. Like, they've separated themselves from everybody else. Those are our two best players. And if those two play well, we're going to win 99% of the games we play. One thing I do want to push back on you, though, is Vanderbilt is a bad team. There's like, they're not a bad program historically. I think that's the difference. When you think of Vanderbilt, you think of how like wildly bad they've been in football and how they will never, like their their heyday in Vanderbilt football is the fact they made a bowl game with Jay Cutler. They made bowl games with Jay Cutler. Like that's, that's the epitome of it. And that James Franklin went to Vanderbilt and didn't end up going into the abyss that is the black hole of Vanderbilt football and actually got into a couple of bowl games to get the big job at Penn State. That is as good as it's ever gotten for the Vanderbilt Commodores. Basketball-wise, however, they actually do have something. that They are a, a basketball school. This is all they have is basketball. And so as a historical program, you're right. They're not, they're not a bad program. They're probably about a middle-of-the-row, above-average SEC program. This year, however, completely awful. They're terrible. They stink. Uh, they lost to Presbyterian. But I will say this. Though they lost to Presbyterian and San Francisco, and they had a game against Alabama and that was closer than it should have been, and they barely beat UNC Greensboro, this is a really bad team. Arguably one of the worst teams in power conference basketball. However, Texas Tech went in there, and in, in a quote-unquote neutral site, it wasn't, but a quote-unquote neutral site, and still beat them worse than any other team has beat them this year. Right, like that. I think there's something to that. Beat it by 22 in a game that was never close. Right, I mean, what they were, we were up by uh, eight at halftime, and that being up by eight at halftime felt uh, felt like, hey, man, what are we doing? Like this is a deep, but it's still at that point was like you said, we're not going to lose this game. Like it's just a matter of how much are we going to win by? Will we have a heart attack? It, it, like we shouldn't, 
or will it be a nice easy win? And sure enough, they coasted in the second half, played even better in the second half. And it's always great when you have a game where you're up by eight and it's almost like the coaching staff got in, got into the rear ends of the, of the team and like, Hey guys, we're up by eight. But we can play so much better. And they did play so much better in the second half. Yeah. Up by eight, winning by 22. That's nuts, man. <laughs> and, and yeah, Vanderbilt's not great, but this is a team that I think Texas tech wise uh, your first year head coach, you got a lot of people coming in. This is like one of those games that you can perform worse than expected. And you can make it re- like this is in the past, you know, teams that we should beat out have given us trouble. And so it feels like a really good against the power f- six or whatever it is for basketball against uh, a conference, a uh, power co- against a power opponent. Getting a solid win is a huge, uh, that's a big win for me. Any solid win. And everybody looking good, any solid, and and looking good doing it. Like there was only a few things. If I look at it, I say, yeah, really wish that would have been a little bit different. But you can't be upset winning. You can't be upset scoring. I would say for a Texas Tech fan, if you're scoring over seventy points in a game and you're keeping your opponents under sixty, I think you're doing really well. That's 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 you're winning basketball games. No, I will say it's not going to help with the schedule. Ken Palm does have us as a two hundred twenty fourth. The toughest schedule in the country. Um, yeah, and appropriately <laughs> so. We, we haven't really played anybody, right? Like we mentioned it earlier in the pod, in, in an earlier pod. Uh, Villanova, that's a loss that looks worse and worse every year. Or every game, sorry. Um, every game. Yeah, yeah. Worse, worse, worse every, every game. game <laughs> every right? day it gets like, worse. <laughs> Michigan hasn't looked like a great team either. Uh, Butler, Butler, Butler might be actually the best team we've played so far, to be honest. Uh, and and that's a team that is also still going to have to get some more wins to be able to make the NCAA tournament. So though, and it, I'm not going to lie to you, Jeremy. I'm a tad worried. And it's not that I'm worried about the team right now because I think actually think the team is playing really well. Right, the Oral Roberts game was a little too close for comfort, but I think they actually made up for that playing Vanderbilt and the way they played them, the way they dominated them, and played really well in that one, even though. I would probably argue Oral Roberts is probably a better team than Vanderbilt. But why I'm worried is because our next three games are against UT Arlington, against Sam Houston, and against North Alabama before we play Texas. Texas is going to be the best team we've played all year. After we play Texas, we'll have Oklahoma State, but then we'll play Kansas State, which will be the second best team we've played all year. Then you have Houston, which, to be fair, Houston's a top five team in the country. They're going to be the best team anyone's played all year. That's not Kansas. Uh, but I'm just saying, like, my point is, is that I don't know. This schedule has not battle tested us for the Big 12. And that's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about, like, did this schedule, did this non-con schedule get us ready for the onslaught that is the Big 12? Who knows? It could be the SEC-wise where, you know, in, in SEC football, they go, they play scrubs every week just so they don't get hurt. And then they have to go and face the onslaught of the SEC. Maybe that's what ends up happening in this aspect, you know, and I could easily see that happening. Um, we've seen teams in the uh, in previous years. K State's a great example last year that what they did in the non-con didn't really matter because the Big Twelve is such a gauntlet, right? So, but I do uh, I do worry if the non-con is getting us ready for what the Big Twelve is going to be. Yeah, I think that actually, for me, I I worry that we still have some like Chris Beard isms kind of in the back of our mind about you know playing 
and he wouldn't play like these world beaters by any stretch of the imagination, but he always pumped them up to be like, Hey, these guys are really good. And because we ended up playing well in the big 12, we would say, Oh, like the non-con, like we had a pretty good strength of schedule. Cause these guys actually turned out to be pretty good. And, and, and so it's, it's interesting this year, the non-conference has been terrible. Butler is the only one we can look at and be like, yeah, pretty good. We lost, you know, we lost, but pretty good. Um, I do share that fear with you because the Big 12 is so talented this year. So many top 25 teams and so many others that should be knocking on the door of that top 25 conversation. Um, it's just, this is the best conference in college basketball. Like that's just, there's no ifs, ands, buts about it. Uh, introducing, you know, BYU and the, the group, those other groups into it is also just improving that, uh, improving that strength, the schedule for the conference play. So, yeah, I do. I will say for me, looking at the way Coach McCaslin likes to play, for him, it's I just want to win the basketball game. <laughs> I just want to win the basketball game and don't really care how we do it. And he's made such a career off of that. And he's won championships off of that. Uh, I'm interested to see. This will be where the rubber meets the road. This is like the this is going to be the McCaslin moment. Uh, and this doesn't define him like this first Big 12 conference play time this doesn't define him but i'm interested to see how he illustrates like his his style of play with the guys that he's got um for me it's like the fact that we don't really have warren washington to me is not this all-inclusive big he's kind of like he's very i'm trying to be mm, he's very unimpressive under the basket he's got the he's got the out he's got the oop down he's got the two-handed slam jam down doesn't have a hook shot, doesn't really have a rebounding presence. Um, when I think about worry, I think about big, I think about rebounding big man play in, in a conference that is, is wrought with talented big men. And so for me, it's not really it's scaling up into the strength. It's like what pieces are going to be exposed for Texas tech. And I think this, for us, it's going to be Warren Washington uh, and like the rebounding aspect, which is, to no surprise, it's been our problem for Yeah, I mean, years. Washington, I think, played well <laughs> under the basket this past game. Um, good offensive rebounding and three offensive rebounds himself, seven rebounds overall. Uh, but I do think in this game, and we've seen in the last few games where he needed help and he got the help, right? I, mean, I talked about Tucson's seven rebounds. Darren Williams also had uh, five rebounds himself. Robert Jennings off the bench didn't get too much play time, but still – I mentioned him kind of coming up in Cambridge Abbott's absence of getting more minutes. He ended up getting four rebounds in this game. So I think it's going to be a lot of those 6'6 guys, those mid-range guys that are going to have to play a little bit bigger to help Warren Washington out. But to your point, I mean, right now, Warren Washington has to be that rebounding guy. Like, it has to be the guy in the middle. I don't necessarily think, again, to your point, that he's going to be this offensive force. Outside of being a lob threat, outside of being, you know, this this guy that can that is just going to be around and be there. Uh, but if you remember, I mean, especially early in Tariq Owens's year, he wasn't much more than a lob threat and a guy that can just get offensive rebounds. And he kind of grew into a role that, oh, we might be able to pass it down a little bit to him, right? I am actually a little bit more comfortable in this game of having that guy, big man, that you don't necessarily pass it down to, Right. Like, like, like we talked about your boy Vlad Golden over in Florida Atlantic. It's killing it down there. And for, and for Florida Atlantic, it is pass the ball to Vlad, get out of the way, and let him work magic. Like he's, he has become that type of center. And that is fantastic. And I think that's the kind of center we thought, you know, uh, Bacho was going to eventually be, right? Uh, to this do-it-all type of center. And I think that we've kind of wanted that. 
but we don't need that in my opinion. I think I like I like what Warren Washington does. I just need him to be a little stronger, stronger to the basket, stronger when catching rebounds, right? Uh, a certain someone, I'm not going to shout him out here, has called him, nicknamed him Baby Hands, right? Because he's dropped the ball. Like, and, and I mean that literally. He's dropped the ball on rebounds, yeah, yeah. on on possessions, and on passes to him, literally. He needs to go up strong, rebound strong, and if he does that. And we saw him do it last year at ASU. And I think he continued to do that this year as well. Um, but, yeah. yeah. So, with – we're good. But in the end, and in the we, end won. we won. Thank God. Because, Van, again, Vanderbilt yeah, stinks. They stink. <laughs> um, next up for the Red Raiders, like I said, three games against nobodies. I, you know, I'm hoping to see more of the games like we had against Omaha where we're blowing them out and less of the games against Oral Roberts. Now, Oral Roberts is a team that is – is I know it's it's a mid-major team, so you're like, ah, we should beat them, and we should beat them. They're a better mid-major than most, right? I will say that. They are kind of on that. Uh, I don't want to say Northern Iowa because I do think Northern Iowa is very good, but not too far off from where Northern Iowa is. Uh, they are a really good team. UT Arlington, Sam Houston, North Alabama are not on Oral Roberts or Northern Iowa's level. Those should be three blowouts, and I'm expecting to come back here talk about those three blowouts here in a little bit. So before we go to the foosball game, I do got to talk about a team that is doesn't matter who they're playing. They're winning, and they're winning big, and that is the Texas Tech Lady Raiders. Currently 11-0. Um, by the time this drops, they will have a game that evening against Tulsa in Hawaii, uh, so, which should be, should be good, a good game there. This will be a nice little test before we hit a Big 12 play because they'll have Tulsa and Oregon State in Hawaii. And I think this will another team that hasn't had the best schedule, but did was was at the very or best non-con, but at the very least able to beat Rutgers, able to beat Santa Clara, have had close games and pulled it out. This is a team that has got me very excited to see what they can do. Uh, So Lady Raiders, I mean Jeremy, it's going to be you and Kenzie's bag, but got to give them a shout out for sure. Used to be a time where. Texas Tech fans would say, oh, at least we have the Lady Raiders. And I think that time is coming back, my friend. I think that time is coming back. <laughs> it doesn't matter what happens around the men's sports world. At least we've got the you Lady Raiders. You hear that, Raiders. Coach Gerlich? Jeremy Gillen says it here first. Lady Raiders will win a national championship in the next three years. That's what he said. There, there it, is. it is. There <laughs> it is. So, now, speaking of championships, there was a national championship in football this past weekend. Don't let anybody tell you any different. Everybody knows that when it comes to picking national championship venues, they pick Shreveport, Louisiana. That's what everybody knows. It is, the, you know, Shreveport, Louisiana really is the Vegas of the, the South. It's the epicenter of the bayou. That's that the epi- sure. epicenter, epicenter of the bayou. You know, it's funny when they announced this, Texas Tech versus Cal, people from Cal said, where the hell is Shreveport? <laughs> <laughs> is there is there even an airport in this city? I'm like, well, that's ridiculous. Shreveport's a big city, ain't it? Then I Google it. I'm like, no, it's not. It's not a. It's not a. I I know I've known it for. I've, I've driven through Shreveport. Or I, I've actually been in Shreveport. You know, it seems like a nice, fun city. You know what I mean? But then you look into it, it's like, ah, oh, wow, it's the size of Lubbock. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> Lubbock is a bigger airport. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, Texas Tech and Cal had to fly into that miniature airport uh, into the bayou and kick off bowl season. It was the first day of bowl season. We were able to do it, and we played the Cal Bears. Jeremy, do you remember my prediction from last week when we had that bowl preview? You know, I was thinking about it all game. (laughs) I'm a genius. (laughs) 
You are, yeah. you are the genius. Uh, so I predicted Texas Tech to win 34 to 17. We won 34 to 14. So it's three points off. But uh, Texas Tech, absolute domination in this game from beginning to end, really. Uh, well, let me not say beginning because Cal scored that touchdown to start the game. And I think every Tech fan, again, I watched the re- re- on, on rewatch. So I, was, I didn't have this, you know, fear. Uh, but uh, I'm sure. When I watched that first play, I was like, oh, I'm sure Tech fans were just pooping themselves after this because that is probably the worst way you could possibly start a game. A fumble. One play, one turnover, Texas Tech. Special teams doing their (laughs) thing. One play, turnover. Two (laughs) plays, down by seven. Just like that. Teddy. (laughs) God. No, it was obviously – I. Here's and here's what upset me about the game – from the get-go, before he even kicked off. Why, if Central Time, are we playing at 8 o'clock p.m.? I knew immediately it was going to be a long night, no matter what happened. So, like, you know what? Might as well just settle in, have some fun, see what, see, see what you know, it's bowl season. It's the last game of the year. Let's just enjoy this. All right, kickoff. Here it, we go. It was disappointing. I will say it was disappointing that it was Jay McRae, right? We, we got him got into the wide receiving group last time. I thought, I mean, the only two, listen, a lot of wide receivers are in the portal. The only two that I really cared about keeping was Corey Eakin and Dre McCray. And one Corey Eakin, self-explanatory. Dre McCray has made a lot of mistakes this year, but two things that I never faulted him on was whether or not he had talent. It was obviously he had talent and he didn't give up on plays like almost every other receiver that entered yeah. the portal did. So, that's why I was like, okay, Dre McCray, there's some things he has to clean up. He has to take care of the football. He has to learn how to run routes a little bit better. Uh, has to be, you know, there's, there's certain things we can clean up, but I know he's going to fight hard, and he has legit talent. And then first play of the game, the biggest problem he's had all year was just taking care of the football. He does not take care of the football. So um, when I say take care of the football, not just fumbling, but just catching. Like, he has drops, all that stuff. So anyways, so that's that's kind of starts it. Um, it doesn't help that we pump the ball almost immediately when we get it back. And Cal is driving again. Jeremy, Cal is driving again. They make it to the five-yard line. Dude, dude, dude. And again, it's very hilarious to me that I watched this on a rewatch and already knew what happened. Because, like, there's no way I would have been calm knowing we're about to be down 14-0. Yeah. No. But ben I was furious. Then but don't break. Turnover on downs. When you when 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 in doubt, it's best to have Tech's defense out there for sure. That first, so their first touchdown, the one play up the middle with their tight end, I think it was uh, Monroe Young, twenty five yards. I thought that's a fluke. Doesn't happen if there if there's one unit on this field I can trust to make good adjustments. It is the Texas Tech defense, uh, and I was worried for a second that we'd be down fourteen nil, um, and we'd have to like be crawling back with an offense I wasn't really sure what they were going to do. But an excellent choice by Cal uh, to go ahead and go for it. Fourth and two, they thought, you know, it's Texas Tech. I'm on five-yard line. Statistics would show that if we run it, we're going to get it. (laughs) And they did with one of the best Pac-12 running backs, one of the best running backs in the the league, 13th best overall in yardage, Jaden Ott, not a bad running back. They just didn't count on Texas Tech's defensive line. That's what they didn't count on. Well, I mean, not only that, but, like, they should have went for it. Like, that makes sense. It was third and 14. Mendoza yeah. had that big run that got him down to the five. Like, that made sense to go for it. I think if you're a Cal fan, maybe you question the play call a little bit. 
Maybe you say, oh, well, why did they run the ball? Because last time we ran the ball, we also had a loss. But at the same time, Ott, up to that point, had played well. Like, outside of that one four-yard loss on second down, he had been killing it everywhere else. Like, I don't think he had a loss up to that point. And so he had been playing well. Like, sometimes it's just not up or shut up time. And sometimes it's fourth and two. You call a run play. You say, hey, old line, let's do it again. This is fourth down. Let's let's impose. And instead, it was Texas Tech's D-line that said, no, we're going to impose. We're going to make sure that this doesn't happen. And we've seen it actually throughout the year where Texas D-line makes a statement. And, and that, that whole – if Cal – there's an argument to be said that if Cal makes that first down or scores a touchdown there, the entire game changes. I mean, mind you, we end up winning by 20. But there's an argument that if we don't get that turnover and down, the entire game changes. Because uh, right after that, we go down the field and we score a touchdown on light work. Light work. Like, it was everything on that play, almost everything went our way. Or on that drive, I mean. Almost everything went our way. Uh, it was great. Of course, of course, Corey Eakins, the one that has three big plays on that one, scores the touchdown. And it's it's tie game. It was an incredible, I think, so the Morton an Eakin connection, right? They've known each other since like fourth grade. I think he was saying or something like that. Um, it seems like an unlikely duo because Coy Eakin didn't come in here with like all the bravado. He didn't come in here with all the attention and he, he's, he, he doesn't seem like the primary target, but with Baron Morton feeling a hundred percent, I think that first touchdown pass to Coy Eakin is a really good illustration of Morton's ability to, to put it where only his receiver can get it. Because if Eakin didn't catch that pass, nobody else was going to. It was like right on the sidelines. As soon as he caught it, he was already over the pylon. It was an excellent toss and catch. Um, When he made that pass, I thought, we may have an offense this game. Um, And of course, having Taj Brooks, Taj really set up that whole thing. And again, this is what you want out of an offense. You want a running back who can get the defense to, I mean, they weren't going to doubt Taj from the get-go. They were going to respect him from the get-go no matter what happened because he's that dude. But like to get a defense to kind of push forward with their defensive backs too, if they're expecting a run, that gives your receivers an opportunity to make a move and get open or get deep, you know, create that space. So um, Coy Eakin really showed out and balled out this game. But it was good to see Baron Morton feeling 100%. Yeah, and he looked it, right? So so after that drive, Cal goes down and scores another touchdown. And it actually was big plays, right? We talked about Ben, but don't break. But they were killing us in big plays. That pass to Grizel for 51 yards. Uh, okay, Trond Grizel. What an A-plus name. Trond Grizel. Incredible. Um, but, you know, going all the way. That great, huge play for them. They scored a touchdown immediately. And what if I told you, Jeremy, at 14 to 7 at the end of the first quarter that Cal would not score a single point for the rest of the game? Because they wouldn't. They wouldn't. I thought I thought you were nuts. And this is where I thought this was the moment where I thought, aha, Albie's prediction is gonna be wrong. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna at least get one more well, touchdown. I feel it. They got the, little would you know from that point on in the second half, especially. So Texas Tech scored the touchdown, we tied up, we get a field goal at the end of the half. It's a close game still. Right, like it's a, it's a it's still a pretty close game. It's twenty four to fourteen. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, twenty four to fourteen, and it's still a, it's still a close game. We're still like trying to see what we can do, what we can cook with, and after a couple touchdowns in the second quarter, but 
four turnovers by this defense in the second quarter. Three interceptions, a fumble, and a turnover in downs. Coaching staff does count that as a turnover. So that's really overall six turnovers in the game, four traditional, two turnovers on downs. You know, the defense in the second half. If the offense carried us in the first half, the defense was amazing in the second. Yeah. I, 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 lights out. And not just like, it was not just, I mean, lots of names that you knew, but some names you didn't know, right? You had um, Amir Washington, true freshman Amir Washington, playing incredible. Uh, three sacks on the, three sacks for the game. I mean, this guy's, defensive lineman getting some play because um, Jalen Hutchins wasn't able to play last night uh, or excuse me, you know, for in the bowl game, Amir Washington, a name that really kind of escaped a lot of people's radar, but then balls out four tackles, three sacks, forced fumble. Incredible. Getting to see guys, um, getting to see guys uh, like also our, our favorites, like uh rabbit seeing CJ Baskerville, even though he did give a pretty long time, <laughs> That that long uh, pass play, you know, locking it down later on. The second half defense is, is truly Tim DeRuiter to a T. Absolutely. I mean, they were harassing uh, Mendoza for Cal the entire. I mean, that guy, every time he got up after a sack or like a tackle for a loss or whatever it was, just more and more and more defeated. And it goes from, you know, he was a pretty good completion rating, had a touchdown, and then it was like, Okay, no more touchdowns. Their completion rating is plummeting. His 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 motivation is plummeting. Interception, interception, interception. And it was foolish interceptions. It was like, I'm out of the pocket. I have nobody to throw to. Just gonna toss it away. Throw it to the ground. But he throws it right to a Texas Tech defender. Right to a right to Rodriguez. <laughs> this guy was he was he was, he was not. He was absolutely well, he didn't trying want to, to do too much. Uh, he was trying to do too much because they were down. He was like, I, I do this. Like I alone am going to bring us back in this. And uh, yeah, it was, you know, he actually, you could argue he threw his team out of it. I do have a question here though, Jeremy. Did you, or did you not like the offensive play calling from one Mr. Zach Kelly? Here's what's interesting to me. I thought about this today. He, he pulled out the stops that we wanted him to pull out against Texas. And he's done it twice in bowl games. Remember last year against Ole Miss, we ran like we ran so much double quarterback packages that Ole Miss was just like flustered, flummoxed, flabbergasted by how many times we were out there with two quarterbacks on the field. This year, um, didn't really have the luxury. But this year, you're running the like the ring around the rosy. You're running... Um, Flea flickers. You're and I don't doing care. all Listen, kind. You have Koi Eakin passing to Morton. Fans I mean, Rosie was cool. Okay, I don't care what Texas fans say. It was cool. It was cool. I'm go- I don't care what they're saying at all. You go- stop watching us. I thought y'all didn't care about us. Get out of here. Obviously, you got issues. I-, I-, I like that they're having fun here. Like Kitley, I liked the offensive play calling by Kitley. Why? Because you balanced running and passing. Because you got creative with the passing. Uh, and because you got points, right? I need you to, I, I, you can be as fun and all that, but if you're not getting points, I don't care. And yeah, the flea flicker didn't really pan out. Yeah. The Koi and the Baron Morton pass didn't pan out. Although Morton was really doing his damnedest to get that touchdown, which he was fighting harder than most of our receivers have this year. Um, I think that 
you made a name for yourself being the creative play caller, you have to stick with that. You have to find you have to find a way to stick with that and be an efficient offensive yeah, play mean, caller doing so. Only, so I wasn't if upset. Only with all that. our games had three weeks of prep time. You know, honestly. Um, well, and also if only all our games had a hundred percent quarterbacks. That There's that too, you know. For sure. Um, so so that's my first question another question I have for you Jeremy is how do you feel about guys like Loic Fungi and Cameron Valdez who had put their name in the portal still getting all this playing time now I for one I think it worked with Valdez I mean Valdez got a chance to play and he was like man this is awesome why the hell do I want to leave again I'm I'm taking my name out yeah right he was like oh oh, all you wanted was carries I won't give you 12 carries no no big deal we didn't ask what you wanted (laughs) but um yeah how did you feel about Portal guys, Coach McGuire letting Portal guys play. So here was my thing. When I, I thought uh, as soon as Loic Fungi caught that pass in the second quarter, um, I thought I forgot that Fungi is playing in the bowl game. <laughs> I forgot that he was going to play, um, and it made me think. And I told the guy I was watching it with. I said, "You know, I have a lot of respect for Fungi because he did not have to do this." Uh, McGuire didn't have to let him play or whatever. Um, but McGuire's not that guy, right? You know, he's still letting Shuck uh, and some of those other portal guys practice. Like, it, it, he's not shunning them out of the program. McGuire's not that guy. I think it, it shows me a lot of respect and it, it shows me a lot of character for guys like Fungi, guys like Valdez to say, hey, I'm probably going to leave, but like, I want to at least give something to. It wasn't, you know, Fungi wasn't going out there and just like, eh, you know, I'll run half-ass plays. Like he got himself open and got a touchdown. Um, you practice with these guys for so long over the entire off season. You're not thinking I'm going to transfer. I'm going to transfer. You're thinking like this could be a year that we do something big, right? McGuire built this idea that all the guys bought into uh, and that fell apart. Yeah. But Fungi, even after all of that, even after saying, I'm going to transfer, still said, you know, these guys, these guys I've roomed with, these guys I've practiced with, like, I'm still going to go out there and play for them because, like, those are my guys. And so I have a lot of respect for players playing in the bowl game, especially when they're doing something, right? Like, if Bradley decided to play in the bowl game and he was just taking up a spot, like if he was taking up Eakin's spot or whatever, then you're just a detriment. But if you're going to come out and play and like do yourself and the team a service i don't care man like i think that's great like you wore the double t all year you know finish out the year so I, i'm not upset with it so you know you actually brought up a good point with the players i you know when i when i thought about it, i actually didn't think of the players at all to be honest um but i did think that it was really cool for mcguire uh, you know college sports has become such it was not even before it was before nil and transport and everything and it becomes such a minor league in the fact that, like, your coaches are just treating the players like assets and not like real human beings, right? Like, that had been, excuse me, that had been the case for a while. And it had just continued to be the case. Um, and, uh, you know, it, I think of Deion Sanders whenever they played TCU. They had a guy, uh, Trey Sanders. Trey Sanders, the uh, running back for TC, was hurt. He got hurt in the game. And Coach Prime went out there to check on him. And they asked him about it. Coach Prime said, oh, we recruited Trey. We recruited him. Like, I know, we know him. I know him personally. 
he wanted to come here. wasn't a spot for him, but you know there was a, there was a chance for him to come here. But we recruited him. I know the kid. I care about the kid, and I thought that was a really good answer. Now, of course, people some people hate Coach Prime, so it doesn't matter what he says or how he feels. You're gonna hate him. That doesn't either way. I thought it was a really good answer because a lot of the times these coaches just treat these players like like I said, they're, like they're just numbers on a board. Um, and you know. I think when playing these portal guys, it made me think McGuire looks at these players like players. Like he knows Lolik Fungi. He knows Cam Valdez. And he says, I know y'all personally, even if you do not want to play here anymore, I will let you play. Who knows? You could come back like Cam Valdez ended up doing. Or worse come to, or maybe we'll get you good looks for whoever your next school is going to be. Right. But I really thought that that was a good – it's almost like you're still recruiting them. Like, even though they're in the transfer portal, you're still saying, hey, we, there, there can be a chance for success here, and we're going to keep playing you all to see if there is, to see if there's a fit. You know, I, 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 and either way, I thought, it was a, I thought it was really cool. You don't really see that. You don't really see guys that have entered, that have entered the draft or in the transfer portal that continue to play. Uh, the Texas backup quarterback, Malik Murphy – He's transferring, and it's to no fault of his own. I mean, it's obvious that Arch Manning is going to be the backup going forward, and Quinn Ewers is coming back for another year. There's no place for Malik Murphy at Texas. And so, and it's unfortunate. The transfer portal schedule is a whole other argument because I think it's ridiculous what the transfer portal schedule is uh, for you to get in, your, in, in the transfer portal. But, you know, I don't think Malik Murphy is leaving because he just hates the University of Texas. He's leaving because this is really his only option at this point is to leave now, right? Uh but it'd be really cool, and I hope they do this, and they allow him to continue to play with Texas. If Texas ends up winning a national championship, it is only right that he gets a ring. Now, they're not going to because screw the Longhorns. Yeah. But <laughs> it's only right that that happens, right? So, But I, either way, you know, big ups to Joey, who continues to prove that you can be a good guy and a good coach. Yeah. So, I mean, with that, that is the last uh, bowl recap of the season. Um, I will say Texas Tech, back-to-back winning seasons, back-to-back bowl games, back-to-back conference winning seasons, as bad as we felt about this season, I was thinking about this all day before we recorded, this is technically the best two-game stretch since Mike Leach. The two-season two season stretch? This is the best two-season yep. stretch in 13 years. So I know this, I know that makes you feel weird about how the season has gone and yada, yada, yada. And I get that. I do feel weird saying it. But at the end of the day, it is. At the end of the day, Joey Mack has had a two-season stretch that is the best since 2013. So I can't be mad at him. I know I question a lot of his decision-making at the time, but I cannot be mad at the end result. And it's also back-to-back conference-winning seasons, which we didn't even have a conference-winning season, like one, up until last year. Now we've had two in a row. So we are trending in the right direction, even if it, this year didn't really feel like it. Yeah, and it's hard because I think we got really excited coming into this season. We were the dark horse. We all these like Big 12. What we are wanting as a fan base, you know, we can feel it. It's like right there. McGuire is recruiting at an elite level for Texas Tech, right? We are in the conversation for a lot of top recruits. It's not like, Oh, we're pulling guys away from La Tech. We're pulling guys away from you know Utah State. We're pulling guys away from UNT. It's like no, 
we're pulling guys away from A&M. We're pulling guys away from Texas. We're pulling guys away from big programs because they're believing in what Coach McGuire is talking about in the future. They're believing in his character, believing in his vision. And so like Texas Tech fans know, like you can just, it's like palpable that there's something big on the horizon for this program. It just wasn't this year. And that's okay. Like we still had a good conference season. We still had a good, uh, we won our bowl game. We've won three bowl games in a row now, um, which feels nice, you know, two under McGuire. And so big things are happening at this university the facility all like will be a full bowl next year with the construction being done. You have an incredible signing class coming in. You've got great transfers coming over. There's a lot of exciting things happening at Texas tech. Um, you know, just because we didn't get a big 12 championship this year doesn't mean that it's all over. Yeah. No. And we, like you said, we are set up for the future right now. Top 25 high school recruiting top five portal recruiting. We, I don't think we ever had a coaching staff that did both well. Uh, you know, Matt Wells, with all his faults, was actually a pretty good portal recruiter. Uh, you know, brought in he's brought in guys like Rabbit, right? Um, pretty good, pretty good portal recruiter, but just wasn't a good high school recruiter. Uh, you know, Kingsbury wasn't good at either one. Tuberville was a, was was good at high school, but not good at the portal. And and I thought that's how McGuire was going to be, to be honest. But he has been killing it, or the staff, I should say, has been killing it on the transfer market. The team, the team looks good. We're not going to hype up the train too much, but they. We're look not drinking the Kool Aid yet. We're not drinking the Kool Aid too much, but the team looks good heading into next year. Heading into a year where we won't have Oklahoma, we won't have Texas, but we will have Utah. We will have Colorado. Uh, you know, we will have a better and improved UCF that started looking dangerous at the end of the year, right? We will Arizona, have Arizona. Arizona State. But we will have. Uh, <laughs> We will have uh, um, Kansas State still here. So it'll still be a tough conference, but starting to look good. Starting to look good. Uh, Anything else you want to say to the people, Jeremy? Taj Brooks is 1,080 yards away from beating Brian Hansford for the number one all-time leading rusher of Texas Tech. That's one of the reasons why he said he came back. It sounded ridiculous. I did the numbers. It's actually incredibly feasible. After he had a fifteen hundred yard season this this year, it's possible. I, I think Todd Brooks has cemented himself as a top five Texas Tech running back. Uh, but to me, as of right now, he's number five. He is number five. He has a full year to skip up a lot of the people ahead of him. Number four, in my opinion, is is my boy DeAndre Washington, big D Wash. So we will see if he can, at the very least, pass a D Wash. And cement himself as the greatest. I don't know if he could. It's going to be tough for him to really make himself better than Byron Hansbard. That's a that's yeah, a tough the trophies, task. the awards. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's a really tough task. He's just going yeah. for the total yards. You can at least sure. you can at least beat <laughs> Hansbard's record, but I don't know. I that's going like Todd's really going to have to blow me away next year for me to say that. One. That's a tough. <laughs> one. Uh, but second best ain't that bad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we'll see. Or maybe he blows us away. We'll see. Uh, so, for Jeremy Gillen, and this is Albie Shaw in Albie's Arena, just a segment, just a piece of the Tortillas and Takes podcast, part of the 10 Tool Network. As always, stay wrecked, people. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.